Hi, welcome to the Light Plus A podcast with your host, Kevin Yang. For all the listeners, Light Plus Up is a podcast that focuses on making your life better through focusing on the three core components of life, personal, financial, and career. In every episode, we'll be bringing some positive, inspiring news, programs to improve personal finance, professional skills to advance your career, and your resources for better lifestyle and health. You can find the newest episode every Wednesday on your favorite podcast platform, such as Spotify, Anchor, Google, iTunes, and much more. To receive the newest episode, please follow and subscribe through your platform. At the end of every episode, I will answer some of the mailbag questions from our listeners. To submit your question, please email podcastlifeplusup at gmail.com or through the voice link in our show note. Now, let's have a great show. Hi, welcome to Light Plus Up by Kevin Yang. This is episode three, debunking myth for mortgage rookies. First, I want to thank all the listeners for your support as we had just officially crossed the 100 download milestone with our previous episode. Your continued support through subscription really provide us motivation and encourage us to improve our content. Now, remember, this podcast is dedicated to you by helping you to achieve success in the three core components of life, personal, finance, and career. For many people, owning a home is an important personal goal. And for others, investment in real estate may be a crucial part of the financial plan. But in our current world, which is overflowed with misleading commercials and popular myths circulating around the internet, how much do you really know about the real estate market and mortgages? In order to set all the listeners on the right path, I have the fortune to invite one of the most experienced mortgage experts in New York to our show just to debunk some of the popular myths and provide guidance to all the listeners out there. But as usual, let's share some of the most positive news before our main segment. Today, the positive news is brought by MSM Good News. Sonia Brown Tallison, the owner of Nola Vegan Cafe, has put her two passions, food and helping foster kids together through her new restaurant. I just had kids that have naturally followed me throughout the year, says Sonia. She relates to them because she was two once in the foster care. Learning and growing from her experience, Sonia became a social worker who focuses on helping kids who are aging out of the foster care system. Now she employs foster kids at her restaurants as a support. When kids age out of foster care, their focus is housing, employment, and education, says Sonia. A lot of time, they don't have a lot of work experiences at 18, Sonia added. Now, with the support of the local organizations in her neighborhood that focuses on helping kids, she was able to fund the employment program just to support them. One of the biggest supports came from the Community Commitment Educational Center right next to her cafe. Nicole Bowie of the community center stated, it's about making our kids stronger. When they are stronger, our community is stronger. New Orleans is stronger. One of the foster children who is currently participating in the program, Carvantre Robinson said, I want to continue to work offshore and go into military, as he's currently studying as an engineer of the Army. 
This is a big deal for Carbontre, as he stayed in the foster care for the past three years and aged out of the system at age of 18. He said, being on time, not afraid to ask help, communication skills, you know, getting along with others, business skills, he added. With a collective effort, Sonia and the community center is making a difference one child at a time. So a big, giant, sincere thanks to you, Sonia, for being the bringer of hope to our world. And to all the listeners, I urge you to pay a visit to NOLA Vegan Cafe, where you are in town next time. As always, you'll be able to find the whole interview through the attached link in the show notes. I hope all the listeners found the news inspiring. Today, we have the fortune to have one of the top experts in mortgage and real estate of New York City, Michael Spakoski, joining as our guest. Michael started off his career in real estate as a realtor in 1986. After 15 years, he took his real estate knowledge and joined HSBC as a premier mortgage consultant. Throughout the 19 years in his current role, with the utmost professionalism, deep understanding real estate market, and placing his clients as the center of whatever he do, Michael has continued to rank in top three in the nation among his peers. Now, I hope all of you will enjoy the following segments as we'll be debunking some popular mortgage myth together, right after a little break to hear a word from our sponsor. All right. Thank you all the listeners for joining to our show. Today we have the fortune to invite one of the industry experts to our show today in regards of mortgage. And he's gonna go ahead and share with us some things about first time home buyer, what to look out for, debunk some myth. So Michael, why don't you take it over and do some introductions? Yes, hi everybody. Uh, my name is Michael Spitkowski and uh, I, I am a premium mortgage consultant with HSBC. Uh, I'm doing it for the past 20 years and before that I was a, a real estate broker, licensed real estate broker for another 15 years. So uh, I don't, you, uh, Kevin made me blush when he said I'm an expert, but uh, I know a lot about uh, purchasing the houses and obtaining the mortgages for them. If, if it's going to be helpful for you, I'll be very happy. Thank you so much, Michael, for the introduction. Now, I know that I received a lot of questions from our previous episodes listeners, especially around buying mortgages and some of the myth that they want to go ahead and verify. So since I have you as an expert here, do you mind if I go ahead and ask you a few questions before we start our main segments? Absolutely. Perfect. So Michael, what did the listener actually ask? Is getting pre-qualified is the same as getting pre-approved? Yes, it is. Uh, for all uh, practical purposes, if you give, uh, if you get a pre-qualification or pre-approval letter, it's basically the same. Uh, a broker should be able to accept it. And uh, to be pre-qualified, the most important part is to let uh, a mortgage specialist to run your credit, because it's very, it's relatively easy to talk about your income, and it's relatively easy to talk about your assets in the bank, but unless and until you somebody runs your credit, uh, you don't know what's there. And sometimes there are surprises. So that's an important part of the process. Okay. Thank you very much, Michael. And another listener actually asked about, is shopping around for lenders hurt your credit dramatically before you even start the process? Every time somebody runs your credit, a hard, uh, a hard inquiry, 
not when you're doing it by yourself on the internet, but when you go to any lending institution uh, for credit card or a car loan or a mortgage or equity line of credit. So every time somebody runs your credit, there is an inquiry and inquiry lowers your score. But, but when somebody is looking to buy a house and shops for the rate and does the inquiries within the two, two weeks period time, or three weeks period time, uh, it doesn't, it only goes as one inquiry on a credit report, so it doesn't hurt you as much. Okay, so you're basically saying that if the inquiry was made within the same 30-day period, it was just going to be count as one, right? That's correct. Perfect. Definitely give a lot of listeners out there a lot of sense of comfort because the last thing you want to feel like you got trapped with the first person you go to, right? Perfect. Now, Michael, I want to ask, do you need a perfect credit just to buy a house? No, you don't need a perfect credit. But of course, credit and rates are directly tied to each other. So, for example, an excellent credit, a triple A credit, is somebody who has a score of 760 and up. The credit of 720 to 760 is a good credit. Not a perfect rate, maybe, but it's a good credit and a good rate. The credit between 680 and 720 considered to be okay, and you have to be ready to get a little, a little higher rate than you see on the market advertised. Now, the credit score of 620 to 680 is the not good. You still can get the mortgage. It's going to be a higher rate mortgage. And if your credit is under 620, the only option is, is an FHA mortgage or one of the few options is a FHA mortgage. And that's a different uh, story and a different discussion. Okay. So what does a FHA stands for? Like, I know that I have a lot of people talk to me about that particular part, but for all the listeners out there who doesn't know what FHA stands for, what does it really mean? Excellent question. FHA stands for the Federal Housing Authority and why it matters. If, if the credit score is not good, as I said, under 620, or especially in the cases when a person has a very little down payment, uh, less than 20% or less than 10% or even less than 5%, 3.5%, the mortgage has to be insured. We all hear about PMI, private mortgage insurance. So no matter what no matter where you go, no matter what lending institution you deal with, you're taking a mortgage with less than 20% down, you're going to get uh, hit with the mortgage insurance. Now, if the credit score is bad or the down payment is less than allowed by the Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac or the PMI, there is only option to get a mortgage insurance is from the federal government. That's why we call it FHA mortgage and that's why people go there because it's almost like a last resort. You can have a credit score of 610, you can have a down payment of 5%, and it still can be insured by the FHA mortgage. Now, if you've asked me a question, why not everybody goes to the FHA for the insurances? My answer is, you have to understand, the higher the risk, the higher the rate. The FHA mortgages have drawbacks. I see. I see. Definitely learning a lot from that particular term. Now, let me ask you, some people actually told me that you cannot be in debt while buying a house. Is that true? When you're applying for the mortgage, banks calculate how much you can afford based on a debt to income ratio. So the, to answer the question properly, is you ha 
if your debt is more, if your income is large enough to cover the mortgage, taxes and insurance or maintenance of the property you're buying, plus minimum payments on ad, or on other debts you have, then it's not an issue. Now, if your income is borderline, then that can become an issue because there is a minimum payments you have to make on it. Okay, perfect. So right now, I know a lot of listeners out there, they really try to get on this train of buying a home, but you know, the home price, I keep going up. Now, my question is that one of the listeners actually asked me, you have to put down at least 20% to buy a home. Is it true? Absolutely not. As we spoke before about uh, mortgage insurance, there are many programs, uh, good programs, which allows you to put 10% or 5% or 15%, uh, even sometimes 3.5% to buy a property. It all depends on what kind of a property you're buying. And it all depends what kind of a mortgage program you will choose. But you do not have to have 20% down. The only thing is you have to be ready to cover payments for the uh, mortgage insurance for at least certain amount of time. Okay, perfect. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for debunking some of those myths. Now, my last question from the listeners before we start our entire workshop is, is a down payment the only cost that you have to worry about or there are other causes? Very good question. There is is absolutely other costs. And other costs we all put under one umbrella. We call it closing cost. Closing cost is just uh, uh, it's just a money you need to spend for the paperwork purposes. As for example, I, I usually split closing cost in four parts. Part number one is the bank fees. Of course, you're applying for the mortgage. There are certain fees you have to incur, like a processing fees, an appraisal fee. Uh, part two is the title fees. Somebody has to order a title to make sure that uh, you buying a property, you buying free and clear from the proper owners, and you're going to have an insurance uh, in the future that if something goes wrong with your title, you're going to be protected. Number three, in New York State and many other states, you have to pay mortgage tax. It's like a sales tax when you're buying your shoes. There is no sales tax when you're buying a house, but there is a mortgage tax when you're obtaining a mortgage. And it's a relatively large amount of money. And then number four is prepaid and escrows, which is technicalities, and uh, but you still have to have money for it. Okay. Thank you very much for debunking those some of the myth uh, that a lot of listeners have already taken notes on those information. Now, Michael, before we even get even deeper, why don't you tell me more about you? Like, how did you end up in a mortgage expert? Like, how did you get started? What what, what drives you to into this industry? I always, I always uh, enjoyed working with people. I always wanted to be in sales. My personality, uh, I have a very outgoing personality. I always thought I'm going to be good about it. And when opportunity arrived, I went to work for a very good broker, uh, Richard Peskin. I was spent with him for years and then I opened my own agency. Uh, uh, and when time came and the uh, market was changing, I had a lot of connections since real estate uh, business and mortgages are directly uh, tied to each other. I knew a lot of people in the mortgage industry. And when opportunity came for me to go to the mortgages with HSBC, I grabbed it and I never regretted it. Oh man, that sounds fantastic. And definitely a really long trip from your professional life. 
what a time to be alive, right? You see the market go up and down. We had the mortgage crisis in 2007. Some people are worrying about the market are repeating itself. How do you feel about real estate market now? A real estate market right now is steady. Uh, it is not going up uh, as fast as it was maybe two, three years ago, but it doesn't go down. Everybody talks about location, 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 and it was always true. You buy a house uh, in a certain location, uh, you cannot lose. In in general, my personal advice, if some, if any of my customers are asking me, I always tell them one thing, and which I truly, strongly believe in it. Real estate, unless you are investor or unless you're looking to flip a house, real estate is a long-term game. And the all, almost always, if you buy a house or an apartment and you're planning to keep it for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you will win. Dave, that sounds like a great advice out there. So for all the people out there who's currently thinking about buying a home, but however, the rent is pretty expensive here, especially in New York. What do you think about rent versus buying? Which one's better? If you're looking to stay in a place for a short period of time, maybe uh, just a few years, I would not advise to buy because they, uh, you don't know what market is going to be. It might go down slightly, it might go up slightly. You cannot predict it, number one. But number two, the uh, paperwork money, the money to the closing fees on a purchase side and the closing fees on a selling side will eat into your profits. So if you're looking at the short term, few years, I would not advise to buy, I would probably stay and rent. But if you're looking at the long term, if you're looking at 10, 15, 20 years in the future, traditionally, traditionally in this country, buying always wins. That definitely sounds like a great advice out there. So Michael, for anyone who is ready to take that first step into buying your home, what does a first time home buyer, like how do they start the process? It's very important to be ready and not to make uh, and do the simple steps to prepare yourself for the for, for the uh, process. Of course, it makes sense to sit down face to face with the mortgage specialist like me or anybody else and go over the, uh, the go over the the program you might be looking for in the future and then to find out what paperwork required for that program. But in general, in general, a bank, a lending institution looking at three at three items. Your credit, your assets, and your income. There is very little you can do about your income in a short period of time. It is what it is. But when it comes to your assets and your credit, you can be prepared. For example, you know that uh, if you're making a late payment, your credit score goes down. Don't make late payments. You know that if you maximize your credit cards, let's say if your uh, if your limit on a credit card five thousand dollars and you're keeping four thousand dollars balance, even if you're paying on time, your credit still goes down because it's called maximizing and computers are smart. They see it. So before you buy a house. Make sure you don't have large balances. Make sure you have no late payments. Make sure you don't do a lot of inquiries on your credit report. Keep it stable. You can, it, it's going to help. Credit score is very important. And number two, when it comes to your assets, make them ready. The bank will ask you for the two months bank statements. 
when you apply for the mortgage. The simple thing is don't make large deposits into your bank, into your, into your account for two months before you buy a house. Or if you did, make sure you have a paperwork to uh, to tell the bank what it was. Definitely. Simple. Hey, definitely sounds like a great advice. Now we learn how to go ahead and prepare ourselves before we actually conduct with a mortgage specialist. Now let me ask you, we heard on the radios or on TV, there are so many mortgage advertisements. What are the different types of mortgage? There is a, uh, it used to be, if somebody of you remembers uh, 1990s or even beginning of 2000s, it used to be two types of mortgages. Normal mortgages, we call them conforming mortgages because they conform under the Fannie Mae Freddie Mac guidelines, which is a universal guidelines across the country, and jumper mortgages, are mortgages for the amount of money higher than limits of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. It's an old, uh, it's an old, old classification. Now, right now, there is a there is a different type of mortgages, and it's better to classify them still as a conforming high balance mortgages in some areas which go which raises the limits of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and then portfolio mortgages mortgages over certain amount of money again conventional wisdom is that a high mortgage means higher rate not anymore those portfolio loans very often have the same rate or in many cases a lower rate than uh, conforming loans so it's all uh, shifts, the rates go up and down slightly, as you understand. The best way to do it, again, to sit down with the mortgage specialist, to tell them approximately what the purchase price is going to be, to tell the mortgage specialist approximately what your down payment is going to be, and a good mortgage specialist will, will advise what program is better for you, cheaper for you. That definitely sounds like a great advice because a lot of times we know the commercial only shows the good side of the mortgage. But like what Michael advised earlier, really sit down with the mortgage specialist can really figure out the best plan for you, right? Now, I know that a lot of people have to learn the hard way, but what are some common mistakes that first-time homebuyer make that you can tell us right now so we can try to avoid it when we're going through this process? Uh, not to be ready with the paperwork, for example. Uh, you can have somebody can have money at home cash and they decide to buy a house and say you know what now i'm going to buy a house i need the money in the bank i'm going to go and deposit them how are you going to be able to prove where the cash is coming from you will not be able to it's going to create a problem so simple mistakes like that can derail the mortgage process plus when you uh, shop around uh, you have to know what to look for. Some first-time home, first home buyers are not exactly uh, ready for it. You have to know what points means. You have to know what bank fees are, because sometimes you're gonna you're gonna make a wrong choice. Some bank will offer you, for example, four percent zero points. Another bank gonna offer you three point eight seven five percent with two points. You wouldn't know what the points are. You would grab a lower rate, but it's not a bad deal. It's a worse deal. You have to know what you're looking for. Okay. Thank you very much for that question, Michael. And now my question for you will be that with so many people trying to plan their schedules about buying a home, what are the reality of time frame just to get a mortgage started to closing? 
it takes it takes about uh, I do most of my mortgages in New York State in mostly in five borders the conventional wisdom says that a bank needs 40 you'd a, a borrower will get 45 days to get a mortgage commitment and 60 days to close in some other states like California New Jersey or even Florida it goes faster it goes between 30 days and 45 days but for your own protection a good number is 45 days it takes about four four weeks to get a commitment because an appraisal has to be done uh, paper paperwork verification has to be done it takes close to four weeks to get a commitment 45 days is more than enough and then there is a, a little more paperwork to close to clarify for the closing so in general it takes between six to eight weeks six to eight weeks unless unless you're buying a co-op oh. it takes a little bit longer because with the co-op as you understand co-op paperwork is involved takes a little takes a little more time plus with the co-op you have to go and get a board approval it takes a little bit more time too well, man, that definitely sounds like knowing what type of property you're buying is really the key. So when a first-time homebuyer is approaching a property, like what are different types of property that they should think of? Uh, a first-time homebuyer can buy any type of the property. Again, again, uh, uh, it can be co-op, it can be condo, it can be one-family house or two, three, four-family houses. The rate is going to be slightly different. You have to discuss it. Down payments are slightly different. You have to discuss it too. But the uh, the property can be anything. Of course, the more expensive the property, the more you have to be. You have to know what it, what you're doing. Okay, and I know that a lot of listeners actually ask questions in regards that they want to only look for short sales and foreclosure. I know that was a hot market back then, but right now, what's the realistic? expectation of only finding short sales and foreclosures as a first-time homebuyer? I am not against short sales and foreclosures, but uh, uh, there is a but for the first-time homebuyer to buy a foreclosure is almost impossible. When you buy a foreclosure, you buy it from the auction or from the land, lending institution. You have a very you have a certain number of days to close. There is a difficulty sometimes with the condition of the house or with the tenants in the house or uh, with the accessibility to the house where the appraisal needs to go in. If you miss the deadline, your down payment, which is usually 10%, goes up in a smoke. It's a very difficult ball game. I'm not against it, but I believe it's for the professionals only. Short sale is a completely different story. Short sale, in, a, in the case of the short sale, the owner, original owner, still legally owes the house. So short sale just means that the seller is selling the house for less money than he owes to the bank. And the bank, not your bank, the seller's bank, the one which holds the mortgage, needs to approve it. Takes a long time, but technically for the buyer, except the time uh, consequences, it's the same thing as you buy any other house. So I'm not against you buying a short sale. Just make sure that it might take three months. It might take six months. Be ready for it. Okay. And a lot of first-time homebuyer definitely knows about that many cities or many governments have uh, programs or promotions to help them to go ahead and get this dream realized. So what are some first-time homebuyer program out there that New York is offering at this time? The, the first-time home buyer program programs uh, 
the bank the bank utilizing the government programs and the bank have their own a lot of banks have their own first time home buyer program there is a there is a whole uh umbrella uh we have a special department which handles grants because sometimes people entitled to the grants uh it's all uh, done on a case-to-case basis and uh, the biggest the biggest qualification a tool the biggest qualification for the programs like that is the income to to be to qualify for the first time home buyer program your income has to be under certain limit every program have a different limit but that's something you have to look into it and again speak to a mortgage specialist he'll advise you which program you qualify for oh sounds great now definitely i think all the listeners including myself have learned a lot from this conversation now for anyone out there who may be interested in learning more or even get to the next step what what should they do you can go on the uh government website google funny ma and uh, the 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 portal will open there's a lot of good advices there hsbc have an excellent excellent website on their own with the questions and answers with most common mistakes with what to do to prepare yourself for the mortgage with how to calculate how much mortgage you can afford uh if you if you're gonna go on if you google my name michael spitkovsky at hsbc you're gonna get on my link my link is linked to the hsbc website you're gonna see all the information you need it's very helpful spend your time knowledge is power sounds great and definitely for all the listeners i'll be posting michael's personal contact along with his business contact on our show notes like always and definitely for anyone who has a questions please utilize the email address podcastlifeplusup at gmail.com or voice link attached to the show notes. Thank you once again, Michael. I appreciate you coming to my show today. It is my pleasure and hopefully we'll do it again. Sounds good. All right. All right. I hope everyone get a chance to take some notes and learn from our interview segments. For anyone who wants to ask Michael or myself any questions in regards to what we have talked about earlier, please email podcastlifeplusup at gmail.com or directly message us on Instagram or use the voice link attached to the show now. And like I promised earlier in the beginning of the episode, I would like to take this chance to answer some of the mailbag questions. So let's take a look at the first question that we have here. Hey Kevin, in your previous episode, you have mentioned an application called Mint. Can you tell us more about it? Okay, so Mint is an application or a website that is part of the Intuit family. It's completely free to use. Basically what you do is that once you create an account or you log in through your Google or Facebook, you will actually prompt you to set up a link between your online banking with your accounts, credit cards, along with Mint. So once that you give them the authorities to go ahead and really download your transaction history, you start helping you to categorize all your expenses in different categories, which put a really clear picture of where your outcome is. So like what we talked about in the previous episode of creating a saving and spending plan, it technically do all the hard work for you. And with the Mint, you will be able to create goals and also see how you are progressing toward that. So I will pretty much saying that for anyone who are computer savvy, this might be a really good choice for you. Now let's look at the next questions. Hey Kevin, I know that saving is important, but I always found myself dipping into the savings account. What should I do to avoid building habits like that? 
Oh, well, you're really coming down to if you only save to save, a lot of times you will just simply utilize the money. But if you have a goal in your mind and saving toward the goal is important, this will help you to go ahead and really resist the small temptation that you see on a daily basis. For example, if you are really looking forward to have a wedding in the next fall, will you be spending monies on PS4, Gucci bags, or other things that you might not need? Or will you actually be paying more attention on how you're budgeting toward a life event that's coming up, right? Now, our last question is from a listener. Hi, Kevin. Recently, I started seeing some of the Instagram ad in regards to an application called Digit. Have you ever heard about it? Yes, I do. So Digit is one of the applications that really go out there to help anyone who sign up for a small fees to start doing a saving plan toward their goal. What Digit does is that you have an AI controlling your transactions and reviewing your accounts, taking a percentage of your balance on your primary checking account and put toward a certain goals that you set up with Digit. So this application is only free for the first month. However, it does help people who have a hard time putting money away by letting an AI to take control of transferring and allocate the funds into different goals that you set at the beginning. And I can tell you, I personally have used Digit and it's pretty fun when you see a lot of uh, encouragement and memes sent by the AI to you when you're hitting milestones after milestones. So for anyone who is too busy to really sit down and set up a saving plan, this might work out really well for you. Okay, so this is the end of our mailbag sections. Now, if you would like to submit your own question, please email podcastlifeplusup at gmail.com or message us on Instagram or using the voice link in our show note. I will see you all next time. Remember, success without fun never lasts. And fun without success is not really too much fun. So let's have a fun and successful podcast together. If you have any questions that you would like us to answer in our following episodes, please email podcastlifeplusup at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram. If this podcast is informative and helpful, please continue to support by subscribe and share with your friends or click on the support and donation button on your platform. It will really help. We'll see you next time on Life Plus Up by Kevin Yang.